Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great edition of Talking Ticks. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by my co-host Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, LSU had another road game, and they also had another win as the Tigers went to Oxford this week and down the Rebels 58-37. to We'll go over the good and the bad from that, uh, as well as some, some other news that's coming out of uh, Tiger World right now, whether it's recruiting or, or otherwise. Uh, you know, and then as, as we have time, we'll go over the other games, because there were some other interesting games this week. Uh, another undefeated went down, so I think now there's only three. Uh, but before we get into all that, just wanted to suggest to those of you that are listening, if you're not already following us on Twitter, please do so at Talkin' Tigs. And we're also on Facebook uh, as Talkin' Tigs Podcast. And you can also find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. Before we get going, just wanted to check in with the co-host and see how you guys are doing. Uh, you know, I've been a little bit under the weather this weekend, but I had to I had to come out and uh, get this podcast done for all our Tiger faithful, so I'm hanging in there. Yep, doing good. Uh, LSU got another dub, so that's perfect. We're kind of coming to you a little bit late on the Monday podcast, but it allows us to get a kind of a one piece of late-breaking news, which we'll go over here in a second. And just as of one note, this is actually, if you count the podcast from our old network, this is our podcast number 25, so pretty crazy that we're already up to that, and then so next week we'll make half a year since we started, so come a long way, uh, it's been all, all sorts of fun. Indeed it has, and thank you, Tommy, for, uh, for, for showing up, you know, fighting whatever you had to, so I wanted to get into the LSU's win over Ole Miss overall, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what, you know, what else can you say about the offense that hasn't been said before. Uh, they actually broke a few records, which we can get into. Uh, they look great, as usual, uh, in the air and on the ground. Uh, the defense, you know, that's that's been all the talk from everyone is just the defense is just uh, letting them down. But I don't know. I, I think we can get to it and kind of explain it a little bit um, after we uh, after we talk about some other stuff. But um, you know, special teams. Uh, I think they did fine. Cade York is, uh, I think he's like second in the league in scoring. So, no, no worries there. And they didn't give up any uh, hunt or kick returns for a touchdown. So I was happy about that. Uh, but let's uh, let's start with you, Tommy. What were your overall impressions of that uh, of that Tiger win? Which, by the way, I should mention uh, that brings them to ten and zero, and they haven't done that since two thousand and eleven. So think about that and and where you were. <laughs> that long yeah. ago, but uh, yeah, what uh, what'd you make of the uh, what'd you make of this win in the uh, in the Magnolia Bowl? Well, uh, ten and zero. You know, I, I cashed my uh, my over nine wins ticket for LSU this season, uh, the preseason um, bet I made. So thanks, Tigers. And <laughs> you're a bet. I mean, you know, Ole Miss, yeah. not really a not really a great team. I think we I think they showed that uh, they showed that on Saturday night. John Rice Plumley, on the other hand pretty good talented guy so you know I liked I liked what we saw of him um early in the season um and I think that he he showed that he's a very talented guy against LSU he kind of ran all over us um off our offense business as usual you know Joe went in there and we we kind of worried about a uh, a little bit of a lag after the Bama game with all the emotion kind of a, a trap game against uh coming to Ole Miss but um Especially on the offensive side of the ball, really seemed like no lag at all. They got in and, and you know did what they have to do to get a win. The defense, of course, we had a little bit of trouble. Um, yeah, I think I think some of that is and some of the complaints. There are a lot of complaints out of Tiger fans right now. Some of it's warranted. Some of it's a little bit, you know, a uh, little bit over the top. But um, overall, it's another win. We're ten and zero going into a, a, a playing two home games before the SEC championship. And, uh, you know, again, we're at the capper seat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's really hard to complain about a win against a division opponent when you score 58 points. Uh, the offense did their thing. They obviously raced out to a big start. They were up 31-7 to at the half. And then the wheels didn't exactly come off in the second half, but uh, they definitely let Ole Miss back in the game closer than we were hoping for. We actually did get outscored in the second half. Uh, especially because John Rice Plumley was just torching us up and down the field. But, yeah, the offense uh, kept Joe Burrow in the game. The commentators were talking about how they were, we might be looking to bring in Miles Brennan, especially after what happened to, to Attack of Iloa for Alabama. But then it kind of kept it close enough to where 
Joe stayed in there and, and kind of padded his stats a little bit in his Heisman push. But, yeah, they, they did great. And then, I mean, the, the elite duo, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, each with a ton of grabs. And then Clyde set in a personal career high, 172 yards rushing is great for him. So that's all perfect uh, on the offensive side. And then we'll talk about maybe a little of the defensive struggles here in a second. Yeah, it was uh, it was just a great game offensively. I mean, if you think about it, they only scored two touchdowns more than they did against Alabama. So it's, I don't know. It's just uh, – and they almost broke 60 again. So – uh, just, just crazy to think what they're doing this year, and yeah, well, yeah, like what you said with Joe Burrow. What, what more can he do to, you know, make his case to solidify, you know, his trip to to New York in December? Uh, I mean, he he broke a couple records. One, which was uh, Rohan Davies' record, which stood for since 2001, which is the uh, passing yardage record. Uh, Joe is currently at 3687 on the year. Uh, uh, and he also had 16 straight completions, which uh, is another, I think, LSU record. Um, and, you know, he set his own personal passing yards record, too, with 49. So I uh, just just threw it around to everyone. Um, and what can you say about Clyde that's, oh, man, just I, I'm so glad to see him even come back stronger in the next game after. You know, the whole team did. You kind of thought if they'd have some sort of lag after the Bama game and I don't know, maybe that's what the defense was going through. But uh, the offense, <laughs> they, they looked like they were, uh, you know, fresh and ready, just just a bunch of fresh daisies, and they just uh, threw it all over the place. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say, what what else can you say that we haven't said previously? But, uh, you know, I guess as the season goes on and Joe and them get more stats, they're they're going to break one. They're not, they haven't broke the, uh, the one set in 2013 by Met, OBJ, and Jarvis Landry. Uh, and I think it was Jeremy Hill, though, the 3,000 passer, 2,000-yard receiving, and 1,000-yard rusher. But uh, the season's not over, uh, and they're probably getting close to that. So uh, I'll, I'll toss it to you, Daniel. What, uh, you know, just give me your thoughts on the offense. You know, what did you think about that game? Yeah, I mean, they did their thing. We obviously know LSU fans, particularly at this point, Jamar Chase is super explosive down the sideline. He had three touchdowns himself, two early in the game, just bombs. Uh, where he put the old Miss DBs in the spin cycle and then just <laughs> left them. But, so that was pretty great. Um, it was it slowed down a little bit in the second half. It, our offensive line kind of deteriorated as the game went on, and that was kind of a, a weak spot. I know we've had some, some injuries there. Austin Deckless at right tackle was out, and then so there was a, a backup starting for him, uh, Triore. And they could have improved a little bit, I think. They gave up like three sacks. And you can see Joe was he's kind of not his normal self there towards the end, like in the third and the fourth quarter, where they, they laid a couple of big hits and sacks on him, and then he did throw up two picks. One of them was pretty much just a duck towards the sideline, which is pretty uncharacteristic for him. Uh, he kind of, you can see, they, they tracked him to the sideline where he was just so frustrated with himself because he has that, like, huge competitive mindset. And he kind of wrapped it back around for uh, a couple touchdowns late in the game. But, yeah, I could clean a few things up. Uh, Otherwise, I mean, pretty great. Joe didn't quite have to use his legs as much as he did against Alabama, which is a good thing. Clyde covered everything there, ripping off a big touchdown run at the end. Uh, but, yeah, overall good. One minor note is that we didn't have a single punt in the game, so that just shows you how dominant our offense is. Tommy, I don't know if you had anything else to, to add there, but, yeah, great stuff. I think the main thing is that um, at the beginning of the season, especially when we were watching in the spring, I, I was a little bit, you know, we've watched uh, Joe be able to throw at anybody and our receivers are, you know, we've got so many threats uh, from the air. And I was a little bit skeptical about our, our running game. I was worried that we'd get kind of one-dimensional and that, and you can still win that way. You know, I, a lot of times the Patriots, you know, in the NFL, Tom Brady, you know, you know all those three or four times out of four, he's going to be throwing the ball. But that's okay when you have such a great, art, uh, accurate passer like a like a Joe, like a Joe or a Tom or whoever. But I'm really, really impressed with the way that as the seasons progress, we've incorporated that that running uh, running aspect of our game. And and I mean, Clyde has gotten better with every week. And now that they have to respect the run, and they've got to respect you know Joe's throwing ability, and they have to respect Joe's running. 
I mean, it, it's a versatile offense that it seems like it's getting better every week. So I think that's only going to help us as we get uh, as we get closer and closer to you know the SEC championship and potentially uh, college football playoffs. Yeah, and uh, two things that you said I want to combine them actually. Uh, that's you know LSU's running and passing or Joe's running, sorry, and his passing. Uh, but I would also add just from two touchdowns I saw in this game. Uh, when he does them both at the same time, uh, I think that first touchdown he had, uh, you know, he kind of left the pocket and was running, and he just threw a dime on the run, and it was perfect. Uh, and then I think two or three touchdowns later, it, it was kind of the same thing where he he kind of hit. Uh, I think it was Chase on the run, uh, and it was just a perfectly thrown ball. So I mean, I, I know scouts are, you know, they're aware of how he's in the pocket and that he can run, but. He, he definitely proved that he can throw on the run and just throw it perfectly. Um, and speaking of running, uh, I guess we can talk about the defense now because, I don't know, this, this Ole Miss running back, Plumley that you were talking about, it's like they were running the Wildcat the whole game. I know he's a quarterback, but I, I said that on purpose because he, he set, his own, he set a, I think, an Ole Miss record for rushing, um, and he just had over 200 yards, which was – you know, just kind of indefensible. Uh, I was kind of surprised, you know. He had one huge long run for a touchdown, and then uh, I don't know, usually something like that is when Aranda can kind of make an adjustment. But, he, you know, there, w- there didn't seem to be any adjustment made, and he just kept running. He had another long TD run later in the game. So um, you said this to Josh before. Now I'm going to say it to you, Tommy. Talk me back off the ledge on LSU's defense? Was it because, you know, it was after a big game, there might have been a little letdown? Are they still missing divinity? Was it just a scheme thing? Because, you know, Rich Rodriguez is, you know, he's at all Miss, so, you know, their offense is going to be good and schematic. But, you know, what, uh, what, what did you make of the defensive performance? Let's just start there. I mean, I don't, I don't think that you can, um, I don't think you can say, you know, sugarcoat it and say, oh, it was a great defensive performance. You're just not looking at it the right way. Um, but that being said, you know, we were, uh, there were some people sitting out, I believe. And um, you, I think you definitely are missing Michael Divinity. You know, I, I think that he's a, he's a leader on that, uh, you know, in that hybrid, you know, linebacker, uh, DN position, outside linebacker type. And um, I don't know, it, it, it's really... They, you know, I heard them talking to some of the uh, the ESPN personalities, analysts talking about that. You know, Rich Rodriguez has kind of a gadget offense that LSU hasn't seen before and probably won't see again. So, you know, it could have been just trying to adapt to that. Um, I know that I saw a lot of videos going around Twitter of uh, of Grant Delpit missing some tackles and saying we need to bench seven and all that um, and fire Aranda. That was the hashtag going around. Oh my God. I, I know. I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Somebody, somebody was saying, uh, you know, can we fire? I, I think it's on Tiger Droppings. Can we fire Aranda and hire Will Muschamp? And uh, so, yeah, I know. it was pretty outrageous. Um, I think that I think that Will. I, I'm, I'm not impressed. I wasn't impressed by that performance. I wish we could have, you know, held them to a lot more points. I think. I mean, held them to a lot less points. I think that we'll probably see a better performance. Um, uh, this week against Arkansas, but uh, I, I also I also th- have seen I think that we have a track record and we can tell that our defense has, has our defense hasn't been elite all year, but they have shown up in the biggest in the biggest games that we've played. And I think that uh, we've seen key stops like in that Florida game the defense showed up and that against Bama really the defense made some good plays and yeah. and they've given our our offense a chance to win. Um, we're an offensive team. Uh, I think that's clear. And um, I, I think that if, if you know if, if we can if our defense can play you know better than average, we we're in every game. Yeah, there's not really kind of two ways about it. It's definitely a poor performance and something to be concerned about, especially when you see. Ole Miss, they kind of ran the same play with J.R. Plumlee like two or three times when he ripped off those huge runs where the line would just kind of push to the left and he would counter to the right and just hit the hole and then he'd be gone. There'd be no linebacker support and then nobody in the secondary and that was it. 
And, yeah, Ole Miss's O-line played very well. We didn't even record a single sack. Um, so that's another aspect of the defense that's kind of frustrating is we had no quarterback pressure, so he was kind of free to do whatever he wanted with the ball in the pocket. And then it's kind of doubly scary because that's a play that Georgia likes to run with DeAndre Swift. He prefers the right side, so they can just run that same thing, and he's, I would say, much better than J.R. Plumley or, or Ole Miss's running back, Jerry and Ely. And so, yeah, so especially against better teams like Georgia, and then you look at Ohio State with J.K. Dobbins and Justin Fields, both of them very dangerous. And so you're like, all right, if this is how we play against Ole Miss, then kind of what's, what's the next step? But I think, yeah, those are things that Orgeron and Randall will obviously point out and then we'll work on in this upcoming week and hopefully get better, considering we got a little bit of a, a tune-up game against Arkansas here before the end of the season. But, yeah, it's, it's a little bit frustrating to watch as you're like, just tackle the man instead of him just moving on, on past you. But it's, it's not the end of the world. As long as our offense is doing what they do, then we were never in, in too big a danger, I would say. No, not at all. But, um, you know, like you said, uh, once we get to the Ohio States or Oklahoma's or, you know, whoever might be down the road, or, you know, even Georgia in the SEC championship, should that play out, uh, yeah, they're going to need to make some stops. And, you know, it won't be against Ole Miss. But um, going back to what you said about being able to play better, but also I'd say, you know, healthier. Uh, Tommy, you'd mentioned some injuries. Um, you can talk on that if you want, but I wanted to ask you guys. I don't know. It just seemed like I know Grant Delpit. It seems like he's nursing a, a sore ankle or something. Uh, I don't know if maybe they didn't think they could go through this game without him, but he, it just some of the some of the runs that went through. It seems like he was close, and maybe normally he would have made it, but he just seemed like he was running to cater to that ankle. So I don't know if it's a matter of him getting better so that that, you know, that last line of defense is shored up or, or, or if he's just kind of dropped off. I, I wouldn't think he dropped off, but maybe just he's, you know, he can't make the same uh, cuts or decisions because he's probably nursing this ankle. And if that's the case, you know, should he just sit this one on Arkansas out so that he can get better? Just... You know, they've been talking about his ankle since uh, before the Bama game. And, uh, I mean, I know from – I've, I've had it. Now, I'm not a, even close to a high-caliber athlete like Grand Delphi, but I have had a high ankle sprain before. And you know, it's one of those things that just nags at you. And you'll be, a, you'll be basically, you know, right there. You can play. And it's probably – you know, it wouldn't be worth him um, sitting because it's not going to – because it, the thing is it just doesn't get better. You know, it, it takes forever to get better. And, you, you know, you're not really going to re-injure it by playing on it. But it's just going to hurt, and so mm-hmm. I could totally see him, you know, having having issues with that, and that, you know, really affecting. He does he does seem like he's playing a little bit slower, um, but also, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if I, I mean he's he, he's wearing number seven. He's your you know preseason All American. He's you know the best safety in college football. They're gonna they're gonna design their scheme to try and take him out of the equation as much as possible. But you do ask him, you know, you ask that guy to step up and make those plays anyway. So, um, you know, I hope that I hope that, and, and I think we have seen him step up though. Overall, it's probably been a down year for him, but he's had really good plays. He almost yeah. had a really really nice uh, interception, in, in the Ole Miss game, uh, you know, two days ago. So, um, I don't know if y- y'all remember that one. He he dove. It was like to the you know left side of the field. He he runs over there and uh, dives and almost has a nice interception. So, you know, he's, he's making good plays. I think it's just it's so easy to take a look at him and say, oh, why isn't he, you know, absolutely dominant like he was last year? Yeah, I think it's something like you can see that the instinctiveness like and feel for the game and explosiveness is still there, but he just hasn't really been able to kind of finish the plays like he was last year, like to make the big tackle or to get the acrobatic interception or whatever. Like, he's on the scene, but, like, he just kind of won't be able to, to finish the playoff. And whether that's due to injury or something else, I, I couldn't really tell you. But I'm, obviously the injury, or the ability is still there, and hopefully he can tune that up again for the, the best opponents at the end. Yeah. Um, well, like, like you said, we got a kind of a tune-up game against Arkansas this week. But uh, the next week against Texas A&M, um, I think that's going to pretty. It's going to be pretty contested, just based on what happened last year against Texas A&M with the uh, with seven overtimes. Um, 
I, I know both teams are going to be a little chippy about this. Uh, hopefully the Tigers have more of that edge because they're going to be at home. Um, and, you know, hopefully they won't have any of the, the god-awful re- referee decisions made. But, uh, you know, Texas A&M, whether or not they've done well during the year, they you know they seem to move it last year like they did. You know, it's like they're still a mediocre team, but um, y- you never know. It's their last game. You know, they're going to come up and give us our best game, kind of like Ole Miss did. So uh, I hope, uh, you know, Grant Delpit can get healthy because they're going to need him back for that because – you wouldn't want them just to lose some silly game at the end of the year. Um, I mean, I, I think they would have they'd have the uh, the tiebreaker over Bama because no one else only has one loss. So even if Alabama wins the Iron Bowl, um, you know, she was pretty much in the SEC championship game unless they lose to Arkansas. So uh, I don't see that happening. But you know, uh, you just want them playing their best when they enter the playoffs, not kind of limping in or just crossing the finish line. Um, but having said that, uh, yeah, I mean, special teams, there wasn't too much to talk about. Like you said, they didn't have any punts, um, you know, a couple of field goals, but, uh, not, nothing else too much there. Um, LSU did have some recruiting news, though, uh, in the form of, uh, Elias Rick shutting down his recruiting completely, um, I don't know. It's uh, I don't know if there's an early signing period if he would sign by then, because uh, that's going to be coming up, or if he would just wait until February. I don't see why he would wait though if he's shutting down his recruitment. And uh, I know, uh, I think it's uh, Jacoby and Guillory. Is that that's the one that plays at University Lab? No, that's uh, uh, Jacqueline Roy. Jacqueline Roy. Jacqueline Roy. Uh, Alexandria. Yeah, he's. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Jacqueline Roy. I, I saw a, a highlight from him. And uh, he's already wearing LSU gloves during his high school se- you know, season, season. So uh, I, I would think he's pretty much committed. But um, I don't know. Do you guys have any uh, any more thoughts or news on the uh, on the recruiting front? Uh, I just have a couple of minor notes. We also picked up another player in the 2021 class as we build that up, a three-star D tackle, Anthony Hundley. I don't really have too much info on him, but as you can see, we're already starting to, to get these athletes. And then another thing is uh, – Jordan Burks, who's currently ranked as the number two player in the country for the 2020 class, he's a defensive end, uh, has set his recruitment date for December 19th. So people are pretty much saying he's down to Clemson and LSU at this point. So that's a really big one to watch uh, if you're an LSU recruiting fan. So December 19th for Jordan Burks. But, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that I, I crystal ball him right now is going to, uh, going to the Tigers. So. The Tigers? Uh-huh. Which Tigers? <laughs> is that a bad take? I'm sick. Okay, give, give, give me a break. <laughs> All right, but, but y'all were talking about uh, getting some players back. I think we there might be some happenings for another player being back. What we got on this one? Do tell. Do tell. So, so yeah, we're recording Monday evening, 6:30 p.m. Just about an hour and a half ago, the reports came out that Michael Divinity, starting LSU linebacker, who had left the team two weeks ago before the Alabama game due to personal reasons. They, it was never really specified. But he is uh, back practicing with the team as of today. Uh, he was shown, seen in videos in pads. Uh, as, yeah, as of this evening, LSU hasn't come out, made any statements regarding his status, whether he's back on the team or even at LSU in general. But he's practicing with the team, so that's, I would say, a really good sign for the Tigers. He was their sacks leader before. And we could, as we saw with the, a little bit of the linebacking woes this past weekend against Ole Miss, we could definitely use his uh, experience and skills back. So hopefully he gets uh, back into the mix. It's kind of early speculation at this point, though. Yeah. It's a weird situation. That's all I have to say about it. It's kind of, you know, gone, gone yesterday, back today. I don't know. I mean, I'll take it, though. Come on right. back, Mike. Well, it's, what's weird is we, you know, they still don't know what it's about. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, I, I don't know, that, that's one thing, but then also it's like he's, he's back, but, you know, they haven't made any announcements. I don't know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like, I don't know, I mean, I know Coach O is going to do different things differently, but, uh, you know, it's just a weird thing. Kind of like back in, uh, I think it was 2012 or 2013, you know, Jeremy Hill was suspended uh, because of some off-the-field activities, uh, 
and he ended up not getting charged, but then, you know, Coach Miles held like a team vote to let him back on the team, and I don't know, a bunch of people kind of questioned that decision. Uh, a lot of coaches spoke out about it, too, uh, but, you know, he, I, I think he probably did it as trying to galvanize the team a little bit. Uh, that might have been his motive, but I, I don't know. Well, we'll see what O does here because, you know, he, Divinity definitely is a leader on defense, and they could definitely use him back there. But um, I think O kind of wants to do things by the book. He's not going to try and overstep any bounds. So I, I'm sure if Divinity's back practicing, he's done something to get back in their good graces, and maybe there's a little bit more to prove before they put him on the field. So uh, I guess we'll just wait and see. Well, let's just let's just let him prove what he needs to prove for the next two weeks, and then uh, have him back right before the SC championship. That would be right. glad. I would be glad to see that. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of, yeah, like uh, Chase Young, he's been out for two weeks. Um, we knew what it was for, uh, but now he's he's back and he's gonna face Penn State for Ohio State uh, this upcoming week. Um, it's a good slate of games coming up. There were some some good ones this week. Uh, I was going to ask you guys about, uh, you know, what what you made. I know Minnesota lost to Iowa. They're on the road. Uh, I I don't know if we really saw Minnesota's going to win the Big Ten, but um, you know they still have to play. Penn State is going to. Uh, they kind of got a, out of a win from Indiana. Uh, Indiana's got a really good offense, so it's going to be interesting to see, because uh, I think Michigan plays them this week, and I might have that on upset alert. We'll just see, though. Um, but, uh, you saw that 25-point comeback by Oklahoma? Yeah, the Oklahoma, did, yeah. they were down 28-3. to uh, Atlanta Falcons never forget. But, <laughs> yeah, they uh, they stormed all the way back at Baylor to ruin the, the Bears' dream season, which is kind of sad for them. Also, maybe a little bit sad for LSU fans if you were hoping for a potential first-round matchup against Baylor in the in the playoff. But, yeah, Oklahoma took them down. Now it's looking like maybe nobody from the Big 12 makes it in at this point. And so we'll see where that ends up. But, yeah, Jalen Hurts just ran the boys back onto the field and, and stormed it back, so good for them. And then, like you said, Minnesota dropped uh, to Iowa where opponents' dreams go to die. Iowa always mm-hmm. seems to put people on upset alert. But, yeah, so there goes the two kind of Cinderella stories of this year so far, and then we're left with the three, I would say, pretty much clear favorites at this point, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson, with everybody else vying for that fourth spot. Uh, Oregon and Utah both looked really good in Pac-12 after dark, so they're getting set up for a big showdown in the Pac-12 championship. And if it's my opinion, the winner of that game slots in at number four. Uh, We'll see how it kind of pans out. But, yeah, big weekend, a lot of losses. I uh, kind of some shakeups across the board, and what a terrible loss for Baylor. I mean, that, that's just way to way to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory on that one, right? Because I kept checking that game, and you know Baylor's up. For, they they pick off Jalen Hurts like pick six. Ooh, they're up by like this many. Then they pick off Jalen Hurts again. Then they score on him. Then, and I mean they were just beating the you know beating the tar out of the out of OU, and and they just gave it all away. I mean, I would not say that, that this is some, some great, you know, historic. I mean, I'm sure it was a good comeback or whatever, good for you, Oklahoma. But, I mean, that was, that was Baylor's game to lose. Uh, yes, they, they, they didn't, didn't score a single point in the second half. That's, I mean, that kind of stands out, you know. It's like, yeah, it's a great win by Oklahoma, but um, I think they just exposed Baylor, basically, because Baylor had – any sort of defense or if their offense had showed up in the second half for at least a touchdown, you know, they wouldn't have lost that game. Uh, but, um, but anyway, yeah, so I think what, what's going to happen now is uh, unless, yeah, so because Georgia beat Auburn. So uh, that's, that was Oregon's only loss, and Georgia did it on the road as opposed to a neutral field. Um, yeah, it's setting up for Ohio State, Clemson, and then, I don't know. I guess maybe if Oregon won the Pac-12, they could slide into that fourth spot. Um, maybe Oklahoma could. I think it depends, you know, what what the rest of the season holds for them. But I, I wanted to ask you about Clemson because they've kind of just been, you know, trudging along. They had that close scare against North Carolina, but they did win. Uh, but I think now, you know, it's like with everyone that they've had to play after that, 
they're pretty much on cruise control. Meanwhile, yeah. the rest of these guys are kind of just beating each other up. You know, as LSU's had to, you know, gut out a win against Alabama. You know, they'll have to gut out one against the SEC championship maybe. But Clemson's, they got it easy. <laughs> you know? Right. Since the close game against UNC, that was probably close to a month or more ago at this point. They've just been crushing teams. They look back to their old ways. Trevor Lawrence has kind of shaken off the rust from the beginning of the season, which is a scary thing to see. Uh, for the, the LSU Tiger faithful. But, yeah, they played probably the second-best team in the ACC this year who is not even in the top 25, Wake Forest, and they thrashed them. So they're really just on cruise control to the playoff. They'll probably take, I think they might be playing Miami in the ACC championship or Virginia Tech, depending on how things go. But, yeah, nobody too formidable. But as long as they keep dominating people, they're still a scary team and somebody that should definitely not be uh, – underestimated. I wanted to go back to the Baylor thing real quick. I don't know if y'all saw the video of their like after post game tradition. No, I didn't. Where where yeah, and to our viewers you can look up this video where Baylor every home game at the end, all the players and go- coaches go down to the end zone by where the student section of the band is and they hold up like one arm and they do a little bear claw with their hand. I'm doing it right now behind the, the microphone. This is but, great radio. And, then, <laughs> yeah. and they, they all just stand there solemnly and like sing the alma mater. <laughs> but it was absolutely like so sad to watch was this. It literally on the other and then the camera pans around to the other end zone and Jalen Hurts and Oklahoma players are literally dancing around and then they pan back and all these people are just like looking like their dog just died holding their hands up in solidarity it's like poor Baylor but uh right. like them kissing their fingers and holding it up like in the Hunger Games you know it's like yeah. we're, we're, we're down but we're strong pretty much so yeah go give that a watch if you kind of want your day ruined but uh that's all I got on that wow um, so, uh, looking forward, uh, LSU has the Razorbacks at home for the Golden Boot game. Uh, not what it used to be, though. Um, Arkansas is pretty much just ready for this season to be over, I bet. Um, I don't, I, I think it's the same thing we said last week, you know, before this Ole Miss game is, uh, you know, we expect them to win. We expect them to, well, we, we, we hopefully the defense will be better against Arkansas, but, you know, we just want them to get the win and do it um, to where they, uh, you know, nobody gets hurt. Because uh, I was going to kind of dovetail into the, you know, what happened at the Alabama game. But, you know, it looked like Miles Brennan was going to go in and kind of take over. But uh, that feisty Ole Miss team just kind of stuck around. So Joe played longer than I think they envisioned him. Uh, so hopefully against Arkansas they can, uh, maybe they can pull him at halftime. I don't know. Um because it scares me with uh, you know what happened with, to two at Alabama, you know just some freak play where he's just well just keep me in one more drive, coach. I want to want to get one more drive, and then you know something like that happens. So hopefully that wouldn't happen against Arkansas. But uh, yeah, so I wanted to see if you had some thoughts on uh, on that Tua situation. Man, that thing was eerie because I was watching it live, and I, I mean like they they you know they go up. And then they get a stop. And Mac Jones, the, the ESPN flashes to Mac Jones, the backup, you yep. know, throwing balls, warming up. And yep. so we're like, okay, well, they're going to put him in for the, you know, for the last, last drive before halftime. There you go. Like, you know, business as usual. And then, the, and, and it was all, it was weird because it was all documented on, like, t- on TV, like live. Because, you know, you see Mac Jones throwing, and then they punt the ball, Bama gets the ball back. I think there was, like, a timeout or something. To where the you know Alabama's offense is huddled around Nick Saban, and you see Tua come off the sideline and like put his arm around Saban and you know say something to him and Saban, uh, and then they then Tua goes out, and the commentators are like, oh wow, I guess Tua's going to go out. You know this is a little bit of a questionable, you know questionable decision. I don't know about this one. And then sure enough, like three plays later, he has you know. A, Gosh, what 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 kind of a worse injury can you can you have? Because I mean, the, the instant uh, reaction that you have when you hear—I mean, I guess at the time we didn't know it was a hip, but now looking back on it, you know, that's like Bo Jackson, and you know, he was never the same. So it was a very very eerie situation. I mean, watching it, and he was not getting up, and supposedly he was, you know, screaming uh, on the when they were trying to put him back on the uh, on the little cart. It was terrible to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, very, very, 
I don't know. It was just a weird. It was a weird thing to watch live. It was kind of like a perfect storm situation where you could almost like see things just unraveling to to one moment that you almost like knew was coming and in a terrible way to to put it. But and then not to get too much into the grisly details of the injury, but yeah, a fractured hip doesn't sound that bad, really kind of off the top, but it's it's rough. Um, talking to my brother who's a medical student, he was like, yeah, this is really bad for him. And he just underwent surgery today, uh, Monday, and apparently everything went great, so glad to report on that. He was actually, there's a video of him like kind of dancing in his hospital bed, so at least he's in good spirits, I guess you could say. But, I mean, sad for Alabama, to be honest. Not something that LSU fans say to all the, that too often. But, yeah, hopefully he makes a recovery and then gets ready for the draft. But it just kind of puts a weird kind of stamp on the end of Alabama's season, to be honest, where they're just kind of like, well, that's it, I guess. Well, really on the, the end of his college career. Because yeah. I mean, we all know he's going to the NFL, and they shut him down. You know, you're not, you're not, he's not coming back for, for college football. And, you know, he, he, entered, he, entered this, he entered college football, you know, in almost miraculous fashion, unexpected, and now he's going to exit almost in miraculous fashion, like, you know, the, the complete opposite of the way he, he entered. So, you know, it's, it's uh, I'm, not, I'm not a big, uh, you know, obviously I'm not a Bama fan, I'm not a big Tua fan, but um, he was, you know, he was great to watch, and... For him to go out like that, it's kind of, you know, you don't like to see that. I mean, he is the uh, all-time leader in touchdowns responsible for at Alabama, which is pretty crazy to say, like, considering all the great players they've had in the past, and then, like, that's just kind of how his career there ends. But he literally was their guy for the past two and a little bit years. Two in a yeah. game? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, two, no, I'm sorry, two and, a, two and a quarter plus overtime. Right. Or basically just... Yeah, a few plays in in two years. Uh, But one thing I did want to say, after he got loaded and was driven off the field, uh, I thought Mississippi State fans showed some really good uh, sportsmanship, camaraderie. They're all clanking their bells as he was leaving the field, which I thought was a good show. You know, no one likes to hear those dang bells, least of all opposing teams, but it was nice of them to kind of give him a good send-off, I guess, as... uh, as those bell clangers could, um, but moving on, um, you know what? What do you think this does? Obviously, you know Alabama probably wasn't going to make the playoff just just based on you know what they had behind them and what they had in front of them schedule wise. But I would think most assuredly, you know, because the I guess the the theory was as long as they won out, the committee would go, oh well, it's Alabama, it's Nick Saban, you know, we'll, we'll put them in over some other one loss team, but you would think that the committee would look at this and think, well, it's not the same Alabama team now. So now they can drop that argument and have to put up that facade of uh, who's the best you know, one-loss team because uh, you, you can't say that Alabama's the same. I think they only scored a field goal the rest of the game after two left. So uh, remains to be seen. But um, uh, what, do you think, uh, what, do, what do you think about the playoff race after, after this week? I, I think this. I think this is. Uh, this cements. You know what probably should have been objectively yes or no, or you know with Tua, with Tua, without Tua. You know I, this cements. They will not be one of the top four best teams in college football without Tua. And I think that you know that veneer of the Bama bias now has to go away because Matt, and, and and I and I think if if Bama gets in. Um, you know, regardless of what they do the rest of their schedule, if for some if some for some reason they got in, which I, I don't think they will at all, that would you know it completely expose the uh, the committee for for I mean for just being terrible because you cannot tell me that without Tua Tagovailoa, with a Mac Jones led Bama team, that they're one of the top four teams in college football. Regardless of any you know, don't don't tell me anything. Yeah, I gave my take on this a little bit earlier, and I'll just kind of reiterate. I think it's going to be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and then the winner of the Pac-12 championship game, which for my money is going to be Oregon. And it's kind of strange that Ohio State, they uh, I don't think there's much arguing that they've been the most dominant team so far this year. Not necessarily the best, but the most dominant. They have the biggest challenges remaining because they still have to play 
Penn State and Michigan and probably Minnesota in the championship game. So while LSU has one big test left with Georgia, Ohio State kind of has three. Clemson has nobody, so they're pretty much in. And then, yeah, if Georgia loses the SEC championship to LSU, they're out. And I just don't see the committee putting in a one-loss Alabama over a one-loss Pac-12 champion, especially or even though their loss would be to the number one team, us. But they they seem to, to value those conference championships a fair amount. And I don't think you can say that Oregon hasn't been a great team this year after that weird kind of collapse against uh, Auburn at the very beginning. They've been putting teams to work since then. So I think that's how it will how end up. Well, you know, yeah. I, I agree with you right now. But a week ago, I would have completely disagreed with you because I think that I think that they definitely would have put in a one-loss Bama over a one-loss Pac-12 champion Oregon. I think and, so too. You know, I I I'm not I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's what I would say. But I think that you know from the from the track record they have and just the way that Bama is portrayed. I mean, the ESPN and everybody were they were laying the foundation. They were putting down the putting down the railroad ties. For the Bama train to come back in, and you know now there's pretty much no excuse because the best player on Alabama's team is not playing anymore. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I you don't want to like I don't, I'm not going to say that uh, that like oh this is good for LSU, but like now there's no doubt. You know, like you cannot conceivably argue that Alabama is the best, is the is one of the top four teams in the country. Yeah, I think one thing they have working against them, you can say they have the best loss in the country, uh, being their one loss to be the number one team in a pretty close game, but they have no good wins. The best team they've beaten so far is Texas A&M, who is currently ranked 24th, not good, and then potentially they beat Auburn, who right now is ranked 16th, and decent, but not that great. So it's like, who have they really played to show that they're deserving of that spot? Not really anybody. So they're kind of going off like, oh, they almost beat LSU so they could be in there. And I don't think that argument really holds too much water, and I think the committee will feel the same way. Well, and, and I don't even think that matters anymore because that, te- because that, team, that, that team that beat A&M and that team that you know, was played, played, out, played LSU close, that team doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and so, right. so, you know, it's over. Like, they're done. And so, yeah, I do think it'll – you know, I would, I would say that it would probably be a – I don't know. I, I would, I guess, a Pac-12 team, Pac-12 champion, maybe like Scott said earlier, an Oklahoma team. Um, just because it's kind of sad to say, but you know, the Pac-12 just gets no respect. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, okay, mean, but would would you say like, what if Utah wins out and then they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship? Like, do you? But like, no one's talked about Utah this whole year. So could you see them conceivably? Putting Utah in the in the playoff just because of that alone. Well, one man, one man has st- stood above the fray and talked about Utah. I know it's coming, and it's been Lee Corso. <laughs> because it, because at week zero he had Utah in his top four, um, making the playoff. So you know maybe 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 they will. I mean yeah, I think that I think that whoever wins the Pac-12, you know, assuming it's the, it's the two teams we're talking about, Oregon and Utah, I think they'll have a very good shot. Um, who is Utah's one loss to? They lost to USC, I believe, at the beginning. And that, and that loss is getting better with every, with every passing week because, I mean, USC's been obliterating some people recently. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I think that I, I, I kind of agree with Daniel that it'll be that it would probably be a pack uh, a Pac-12 champion winner. Yeah, um, they lost to they lost to USC uh, thirty to twenty three at USC in week four. Um, but you know, like it's it's weird because you know you hear a lot of these people talk about it. Um, and this is this is uh, I, I remember uh, Matt Muscana uh, went off on the on the uh, the college football playoff a couple day a couple weeks ago or. No, about a week ago maybe, on uh, his his podcast with Ryan Terrio, the Riot, and he and he was talking about you know it's it's thirteen people and they just thirteen people who have just been deemed experts and like you know we don't know do they actually know what they're talking about do they actually and one thing that I've heard a lot of people say and it makes sense to me is that these West Coast teams get left out of the conversation a lot because their games come start at eleven o'clock on the East Coast and people just don't watch. 
You know, like they, you know, the committee's supposed to watch all the games and really analyze everything. But there's a, I mean, I, I, I believe it. I believe there's a difference in watching a game at three o'clock or seven p.m. than there is watching one at three in the morning because it's, you know, gone late or whatever. So, um, especially with these Pac-12 teams where they're throwing the ball everywhere, not playing much defense, so the clock's not running. Um, so, I mean, it, it makes sense to me that. That you just just by the nature of not really knowing who, who these teams are and how good they are, that they could be left out. I think some people might argue that that's that's what's happened in the past. But um, I, I mean, there's a lot of football to be played. So, and there's there are crazier things have happened. Yeah, and but you could say that. But uh, I would just you know just to play devil's advocate, it's um, you know what that didn't stop the press from voting USC over LSU in their. Uh, championship back in 2003 even though LSU won the national championship game uh, I think the Associated Press like crowned USC the champions back then. oh yeah but early 2000s USC was a completely different beast right well I'm just saying though that's like they you could say that oh well they don't watch these games it's like yeah but they're still voting on these guys like same with Oregon when Chip Kelly was there they gave them so much clout because of what they were doing so I mean they were paying attention some well uh, I think I think the caveat there is I think I think that the logic still applies. They don't watch the games. The difference is that that everyone knows it's it's the same thing as the Notre Dame effect, the Alabama effect, the Oregon effect with Chip Kelly. Everyone's enamored by these teams, and you know especially with an AP poll or something like that. These writers aren't aren't big football heads. They're just writers who like to write about sports. And you know when when Notre Dame is good, like Notre Dame. Think about think about when Notre Dame played Alabama in the national championship. With uh, Manti Teo and, and you know that team, they had no business being in that game. That game was over in the first quarter. But when Notre Dame is good, it, it, they they are elevated on the national stage to a position that's higher than they really are. I think it's probably I think it's happened this year. You know, like Notre Dame's a good team right now, but they're not as good as as they as they've been billed so far. And so I think the same thing could be said for for you know I, I predict if if USC. Um, let's say USC, you know, gets a, gets a new coach next year, and they, they end up being pretty good. They'll be, consi- you know, people will be talking about them as like national contenders, even if they're not. And it's just because they have that brand name, and people love, you know, people think about when they think about USC, they think about the Reggie Bush days, and uh, you know, same thing applies to, to all, all those teams I named. Same thing with Texas. You could say the same thing, you know, with Texas being uh, billed as the, you know these world beaters at the beginning of this year. Because people just have this have this view of Texas, and they build it up in their minds. Well, yeah. Well, that's because uh, Sam Ellinger told us that they're back. So <laughs> every, I think everyone just believed him. But well, they're, they're not actually. Yeah. Well, they lost this week uh, to Iowa State. Uh, but so now they're six and four. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think the, they could do well next week. Um, I forget who they're playing, but I, I don't know. I have that as a as a little upset special too, because I don't know. Texas is up and down. It just depends on the week, you know. It's like they they have guys that are healthy, and then they win, and then then it goes the other way. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd say look out for Michigan too at Indiana. Um, with the as far as the Pac-12 goes, though, uh, it's the same thing that you could say to anyone in any conference. You can just control your own destiny. Just win. Just win out. You know, it depends how you win sometimes, but uh, the Pac-12 as a whole, I don't think it's strong enough to where, you know, whoever wins the Pac-12 championship, oh, they're definitely in, just because they only have one loss, whether that's Utah or Oregon or whatever, because, you know, the rest of the Pac-12 is just okay. If it was the big turn of the SEC, maybe, but, you know, I don't think that's enough to sway them. Like, uh, I'd say... Like if uh, or like Oklahoma has that big comeback win on the road against a ranked team, that'll stand out more. That shows like more of a quality team than you know just eking by against somebody else. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I think there's still a lot to be decided, but I do know that there are a lot of one-loss teams out there, uh, and there could be some more before the end of the year. I just don't think it'll be LSU, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, but looking forward, uh, I don't know. Do you guys have any uh, any other thoughts? Did we did we cover everything with LSU? I know I wanted to mention 
basketball because they just started and they just landed a, you know, they got their season going. They got a five-star recruit. So uh, Will Wade is back in business. But uh, any other things that you guys wanted to touch on? Uh, I mean, I would just say Arkansas is not very good. Uh, this should be a good a, sh- a good tune-up game for LSU. Um, you know, expect uh, expect some points to be thrown up there. LSU's favored by 46 right now. Might be a little bit of a high number. Um, but, you know, I think that we'll win handily. And, uh, yeah, so moving on, you know, we'll be, we should be uh, moving on to the next week after that. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I think we I think we pretty much got it. Looking forward to this game. Should be going. The weather's not supposed to be that great, but Saturday night, 6 p.m. Saturday night, Death Valley can't beat it. Catch them on ESPN. Uh, yeah, I don't know about 44. I'm thinking maybe LSU by 30, but Arkansas shouldn't put up too much for the fight. But should be a good game. Looking forward to 11 to know. Is that yep. a uh, Daniel? Is that is that a, that's an that's an ESPN proper game, or is that like a SEC network or something? On, on ESPN, they must not oh, have wow. too much going on. Yeah, when you're number one, you get those. Uh, yeah, you do. That's <laughs> yeah. You get those games. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I I really don't care what the score is as long as LSU uh, wins convincingly and everyone stays healthy, because uh, they will definitely need them that next week against Texas A&M. Um, here's the only thing I wanted to mention is it's a shame that the Golden Boot game is not what it used to be because I remember back in the you know the late 2000s, early. 20 teams. It was it was still something of a fierce rivalry, and the games are just really good. They came down to the to like the last few plays, uh, but I think that's kind of been replaced with Texas A&M, and I think that's what the you know the upper grass kind of wanted. They wanted to reestablish some sort of rivalry with Texas A&M, but going to seven overtimes with some questionable plays is actually what kind of fueled that back up again. Not just because they wanted to schedule Texas A&M on Thanksgiving. Because, you know, for a while, it was Arkansas on Thanksgiving. That was just that Friday. That was the, the Golden Boot game on that Friday. Uh, and they replaced it, and, you know, fans didn't really like it. But uh, I guess things kind of worked out for the better because Texas a and a better program now. Uh, so we'll, we'll get those both of those teams right in the, in the next two games. Uh, and hopefully we'll finish out on top and probably see Georgia and Atlanta in that first week in December. Uh, and having said that, that'll pretty much do it for us here at Talking Tigs. Tune in next week. We'll have the, the Arkansas game for you and probably some other news because there always seems to be something coming out. So stay tuned uh, and check back in with us next week. Uh, and we'll give it all to you here on the Talking Tigs. Go Tigers.